did things make you scared when you were a child? Things that maybe don't make you scared anymore? You remember those things that really frightened you when you were a child? Anybody care to? Oh, Sam. Storms, scared of storms. Hey, my grandpa, every time it thundered, he said, the tater wagon tumped upside down. That was his statement. Anybody else? Anything? Connor. Tornado sirens scared you. Okay, well, I I get it. Yeah. Anybody else? What were you afraid of? Rick. Death. (laughs) That still scares a lot of people. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Butch. Girls. (laughs) And he still is. (laughs) Anybody else? What were we afraid of? Say it again. Rattlesnakes. All right. I'm still a little afraid of rattlesnakes. Say it again. Total failure. Okay. All right. You had deep, deep rooted fears when you were a child, Chris. Anybody else? Hike. Hike. Okay. All right. You know, this may sound really silly, but one of the things that used to make me more frightened than anything, and I was in third grade, and the first time I saw the movie, The Wizard of Oz, scared me to death. Those flying monkeys, they were mean. I mean, they came down and tore up the straw man or whatever his name was, the scarecrow, right? Made the tin man cry. (laughs) And then uh, the Wicked Witch of the North. No, West. West, yeah, the green lady, she scared me. But, uh, you know, my parents, they wouldn't let me watch it after three years old. I think I was about 14 before I got to see it again because it just made me cry. And uh, anyway, but there's scary things out there. They make you wonder and, and, and question things. But, uh, you know, there's a, a guy in the Bible that uh, scared a lot of people, an entire army, Okay. Goliath was a scary guy. Israel was afraid to face him. And we're not talking about children here. We're talking about adults who are rough, hardened soldiers, and they're afraid of this guy. Okay? Have you ever seen any giants? I was in the Longhorn Cafe the other day, a restaurant the other day, and in there was uh, Big Country Reeves. You know who I'm talking about? I stood beside him, and this guy, what is he, seven foot two? I couldn't touch the top of his head with my arm. He was big. And I got to thinking about that. And Goliath was two feet taller than him. Nine feet tall. Unbelievable. Big guy. All right? But in this sermon series, TripAdvisor, It's about people in the Bible that took a journey somewhere. And David took a journey one time from his home in the sheep fields. And he went to the front where the battle was taking place. And his dad made the request to him, would you take some food to your brothers? And he agreed to do it. And I I don't know what he, yeah, I do know what he took. He, He took pizza to them. Scripture says that he took bread and cheese pretty close wasn't cooked yet probably but anyway 
Um, David's a kid. He's a shepherd boy. And he's tending sheep. And he goes from tending sheep to delivering food to the army, to his brothers who are in the army. But at the very end of the story, something very weird happens, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But 1 Samuel 17 and 48 says, As Goliath moved closer to attack David, to attack, David ran out to meet him. I don't know about you, but I'm not in a huge hurry to die. I think I'm kind of past being sprayed of death, but I'm not in a huge hurry for it anyway. And he's been threatening out um, death to the armies of Israel. David runs out to meet him. And what happens in the time that he leaves the flocks and the time that he faces the giant, what stirs him to have the faith and the courage to meet this giant? I want to talk today about giants that we have in our lives. What's a giant in our lives? It's anything that controls you. Anything that weakens you. Anything that intimidates you. Anything that rises up to mock you. Giants can be addictions. They start out as very simple things, but now it has its grip on you, and it's hard to live without. There may be giants in our lives, maybe things that aren't even sinful. Not sinful at all. Your giant may be fear and worry. Your, fear, your, your giant may be anxiety. Your, fear, your giant may be intimidation. Giants can also be relationships. Maybe a relationship that's gone bad. Anger is built up in your heart and you can't escape from it. Relationships that are controlling. Relationships that are abusive and harsh. And that disdain that you have in your heart for another person can turn to bitterness. And that bitterness can slide into hatred. And it's a giant. These are all giants that we need to slay. And I may not have enumerated your giant, but nonetheless it's there. Goliath wanted to drive his enemy into the ground. And let me assure you, your giant wants to drive you into the ground as well. He wants to destroy you. Number one. First thing that we need to do when we find out that we've got this giant in our life, we've got to know that we're in a battle. I must know that I'm in a battle. The Bible says that my battle is not with flesh and blood. I'm not fighting this person. I'm not fighting that person. I'm not fighting my job. I'm not fighting my neighbor. I'm not fighting my husband or my wife or my kids. I am fighting spiritually. I'm fighting the principalities and the powers and the wickedness of the air. The enemy of our soul wants to come and attack all of us. He wants to keep our minds locked out of heavenly things. And this, though, that David's involved in with Goliath is a real physical battle it's right there but it's also a spiritual battle so let's go to first samuel chapter 17 and what is the scripture saying so the philistines and israelites faced each other on opposite hills with a valley in between them the goliath a philistine champion from gath came out of the philistine ranks to face the forces of israel 
He was a giant of a man measuring over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and a coat of mail that weighed 125 pounds. There are people in here today, adults, that don't weigh 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leggings, and I don't think they were the kind that you ladies wear. He wore bronze leggings. He had an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. Anybody ever throw a shot put? I used to do that. 12-pound ball right here. He had a spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. An armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a huge shield. Goliath stood and shouted across to the Israelites. He's shouting at them. Do you need a whole army to settle this? Choose someone to fight for you and I will represent the Philistines. And we'll settle this dispute in a single combat. If your man is able to kill me, then uh, we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. And then he says, I defy the armies of Israel. Big mistake. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and they were deeply shaken. You see, giants are scary. They can cause you to shrivel up. They can cause you to shrink back. This didn't just happen one morning. This had been going on for 40 days. Goliath kept coming out to see them. What does that do to you if you're an Israelite? Because he not only came out in the morning, he would come back in the evening and he would make the same announcement to Israel's army. And I'm sure there was a discussion in the camp like this. Guys, this is getting really old. Okay? Why don't you go fight him? Why don't you? Well, what if he beats me? There's a responsibility here. I'm not just fighting for myself. I'm not just going out there and getting killed. If I lose, we're all going to be slaves to the Philistines. And I really don't want that uh, responsibility. Well, that's exactly what happens in our minds when the giant, our enemy, encamps in our lives. He presses us in the morning. Our giant presses us in the evening. He pushes us tomorrow. He intimidates us the next day. He belittles us and he makes us feel smaller and smaller. Our enemy wants us to feel tiny. More giants. Not sinful giants. Disease. Ailments. That have come against you. And your friends come and pat you on the back. And say, well, I guess you'll just have to learn to live with it. That relationship that has you full of hate. This habit is overcoming me. These are giants and giants, my friends, are tough to slay. But I want to announce something to you today. You can kill giants. Every one of you can kill giants. Here's the deal. 
<laughs> you're going to think that I'm contradicting myself. You can't do it. See, David knew the secret of fighting the giant. Goliath comes out and says, I defy the armies of Israel. That was a big mistake, letting a little ruddy-faced kid hear that. I defy the armies of Israel. (laughs) Number two, I may need to ask some awkward questions. David asked this question in 1 Samuel 17 and 26. Who is this pagan Philistine anyway? (laughs) I like that. Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that has been allowed to defy the armies of the living God? David is taking this personally. It's not because he just wants to go out and fight the guy, but he realizes that Goliath is insulting the God of Israel, his God. And that's not okay with David. David has the strength that comes up Not from his strong muscles, not from his great physique, not from any of that, but it came up through his spirit man. The only way that you can fight the giant is through what's inside of you and allowing that spirit man to arise. And that spirit man rises up inside of David and he coughs something out. Who are you anyway? You're a Philistine. Don't you understand who our God is? Maybe we need to ask questions in our own lives. What is taking control of my life? What's changing me into the person that I don't want to be? Why am I allowing this to nag me in my mind every day? Why can't I sleep anymore? How did I end up where I am? How do I fight back? How can I conquer this giant? And if we are honest, if we are honest, we will answer, we all have some sort of a giant that's in our lives. Number three, I may offend people without really trying. (laughs) Have you ever done that? You just offend them. You don't know why, but you offend them. Here we go. 1 Samuel 17, 28 and 31, David starts offending. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. Eliab is angry. He is ticked off at his brother. He says, what are you doing around here anyway? The guy brought him food and he's mad at him. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep? And by the way, that was an insult. Okay. He's insulting David. What about those few little sheep that you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride. I know about your dishonesty. You just came up here to see the battle. David looks at him and says, what have I done now? (laughs) This goes way back. This isn't just a battle of the day between David and Eliab. He says, what have I done now? David replied, I was only asking a question, and I like this part. David just walked over to some other people. He walked right past his brother and just ignored him. He goes over to some other people and asked the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul. Wow. 
He's there delivering pizza to his brothers. He starts asking questions. All of a sudden, his words are in the ear of King Saul, and the king sent for him. You know, when you start asking those uncomfortable questions, it gets in the ear of the king. When you start talking about solutions, and you start talking about killing the giants, it's going to get the attention of people. And do you know why? Because not many people can slay giants. David is able to overcome the anger of his brother. He's able to hear the voice of God over the voice of his brother. His brother represents what? His brother represents his past. And he is also a giant in his life that he had to defeat as well as Goliath. Sometimes we listen to the voice of another giant that won't even let you get to the giant that you want to slay. David has pushed through. He's pushed through the ridicule of the past. I better be listening to the right voice, folks, if I'm going to slay the giant. If I stand there and argue with my brother or whoever it is that's distracting me, I'll never get to the giant. Got to listen to the right voice. There are giants in our life that you didn't even know were giants. Inferiority insecurity are two of the greatest obstacles in people's lives and it causes us to cease being who we really are when we're insecure we start dressing like everybody else wants us to dress we start acting talking and doing what everybody else is doing because we're afraid to expose ourselves to the world David was pretty good about being in his own skin. Be good in your own skin. God has a plan for your life, and David shows us that. Number four, I must find a solution. Some will say to themselves, maybe the giant will just go away. Anybody have a giant that's attacking your life and trying to destroy you and grind you into a little meatball into the ground that ever just went away? Whatever your giant is, I'll promise you, without some effort, he's not going away. This little teenager, ruddy face, probably just in puberty, a little guy comes to the king whom the Bible says is head and shoulders taller than everybody else in the kingdom. Can you get that picture? Do we have a little guy here that's awake today? No? Chris, come up here. Bring all six foot six of yourself up here. I'm not being insulting here, trust me. I'm just illustrating. No, up here. You look taller, even taller up here. He's big. Reagan, come on. <laughs> you can blame your mom for that. Come on up here. He's a big guy, but he's not even Goliath. So come over here. Yeah, come over. Stand right here. You can look up at him. Look up at him. This is the king. This is David. He's head and shoulders. King, uh, king Saul is above 
everybody in the land. David's probably 13 or 14 years old. He's coming before the king and he's looking up at him. Just go ahead and look up at him. There you go. <laughs> now you can go ahead and sit down. I just kind of want to give you a little physical view of what David looked like in front of Saul. Probably four foot ten. Little ruddy face, little rosy cheeks. Standing in front of the king. His questions got to the king. And David says to Saul, don't worry about a thing. Do you see that little kid? The king, you don't have anything to worry about. I'll go fight that Philistine. And Saul would say, don't be ridiculous. There is no way that you can go against this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he, Goliath, has been in the service of his army since he was a boy. But David, don't you like David? He persisted. I love this about David. He is not going to let this thing go. Is there something in your life that gets under your skin so much that you just can't let it go? There is a passion that has grown in you so much that you will not let go of it. David made a decision. And it was the beginning of the end for Goliath. <laughs> for some of you, Today is decision day. And at the end of this message, I'm going to invite those of you that are ready to face your giant up here. And you've got to make a decision. Okay? Are you going to face down the giant? Are you going to continue to allow the giant to rule in your life? Today's decision day. Slaying the giant begins with a willful decision. Number five, I may not do what has always been done in this battle. You see, slaying your giant problem may require a different plan than everybody else thinks is wise. It may cause you to do something that you have never done. And King Saul is trying to help David. Then Saul gave David his own armor. A bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested. <laughs> he puts on Saul's armor. Can you imagine how ridiculous that looked? Little kid, you put on your parents' clothes when you were a child and wear them around. I remember putting on my dad's boots. Ridiculous. But David puts it on. He's got it's hanging, it's drooping. He tries to pick up the sword. He probably goes like this. Scripture says he takes a step or two. He didn't walk around to see how it worked and how it felt. Okay, He didn't walk right over there and over there. He took a step or two. I think it says or two, just giving David the benefit of the doubt. The first step was probably just to stumble. The second one, he got a little bit of control and moved the armor just a little bit. 
course you had to have armor if you're going to go out and fight this guy. <laughs> but Saul's desperate. If you're put in Saul's position, he's sending a little boy out to fight against a giant. The little boy named David is on a suicide mission as far as Saul is concerned. Saul doesn't want to send David. He tries to help him. But David has this unwavering confidence down inside of him, this spirit man. That picture that we have in our mind of David wearing Saul's armor is how we look fighting our giants in somebody else's armor. in our own strength or somebody else's. David did not have to beat Goliath. That's why when he fights him, he fights in the name of the Lord Almighty. If you want to defeat your giant, you must put yourself on the back burner and you'll have to have faith in a God that's much bigger than you are. You cannot win this battle in your flesh. And the first step is recognizing I can't defeat Goliath in my own strength. We're walking around in the flesh and not allowing the spirit man to dominate. We don't see through spirit eyes. We don't war in the heavenlies. We do it all in the flesh and think we're going to win. By the way, I think this is very interesting. When they found Saul dead, he died in his own armor. His own, own armor couldn't protect him. I think that's kind of interesting. Number six, I will face rejection. I've got to know that fighting my giant is going to be intimidating. And I'm going to need to learn really hard to trust and lean toward God or I can't win. 1 Samuel 17, 41 through 44 says, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. And he says the worst insult you can give to a Philistine back then, he says, am I a dog? He roared at David. Then you come at me with a stick, probably the shepherd's crook. And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Big mistake, Goliath. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. The giants in your life will always roar at you. Anybody here play golf at Mohawk Park? A couple people. Hole number 15 goes right along the zoo. And I was out there playing with a guy one day, and he's in his backswing like this. He's getting ready to swing, and one of the lions roared. I'd never heard a lion roar, honestly, never heard one. But I'm telling you, there's significance when a lion roars because it scared the devil out of my friend who's swinging the golf club, and he shanked the ball, hits it over the fence into the zoo. He said, you going to let me hit that one over? I said, no, I didn't cause the lion to roar. 
The Bible says that our enemy, he roams around like a roaring lion. There's a reason that it says roaring lion because a roaring lion is a fearful sound. And it will scare you. And your enemy, your giants are roaring at you all the time. And it's caused fear to rise up in you. You don't think you could face it because it's bigger than you are? Wow. This was scary. This was no Tarzan in a black and white show on Saturday morning with Johnny Weissmiller jumping off cliffs and diving into water and their little roaring lion. This was a giant roaring at David. But you know, I love it when the scripture says right after that, he said, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Any giant roaring lion, any giant, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I don't have to be a big muscle-bound person. I don't have to be tough on the outside. I just need to have God on the inside. Number seven, I'm going to face giant-sized challenges. Goliath comes out and roars. He scares everybody, and it's a real fright. It's not made up. The armies are afraid. But David bites back. He doesn't back down. David doesn't roar, but he shouts back at this big giant. He said, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty and the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut your head off. I love trash talk. (laughs) I'm going to kill you. I'm not just going to kill you. I'm going to kill you twice. (laughs) And I will give the dead bodies of your men (laughs) to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone will know that the Lord does not need weapons to rescue his people. It is not our battles, it's his battle. The Lord will give you to us and Goliath moved closer to attack. I love this. And David quickly ran out to meet him. Oh, that's awesome. David, he's not going to stand back there and let the fight come to him. He runs at the giant. Here's the picture. Come on. Little ruddy faced guy, four foot ten, has no strength, has no muscle. Giant, all nine feet of him are coming at him. And David said, Come on. Come on. Doesn't that look ridiculous? God didn't need an arsenal, God didn't even need armor. All he needed was a little kid that allowed his spirit man to rise up and said, I'm not going to let that giant defy the armies of the living God anymore. And folks, that's all. All God needs right now 
is somebody that's ready to face the giant, and you may just have a sling. You must have just a little weapon. You may not have any weapons other than the weapons that God has already given you. You've got the sword of the Spirit, and all you've got to do is come out and say, Come on, giant. I'm tired of this. What you have in you with the Spirit of God is bigger, greater, and stronger than all the army, uh, all the armor that the Israelites had, and David knew it. And David ran toward his giant. And I believe he ran toward his giant <laughs> because he was excited to see what God was about to do. You read on. After Goliath was hit in the forehead with one of the stones that David pulled, off, uh, pulled out of the creek, you'll find that that stone didn't kill Goliath. That David had to go over, and I believe that David had to hustle to get over there before he got up again. He went over and he took Goliath's sword and he cut Goliath's head off and he killed him. You see, there are giants in your life that you're good at punching them, stunning them, but you're not really good at killing them. We have to cut off the head of the giants that we're facing. We can't just stun them real good. We can't knock the breath out of them. We can't even just knock them down to the ground. You've got to kill them. There's got to be a giant killing faith inside of you that says, I will be an overcomer. That you'll say, I am cutting this giant's head off and he will never have an impact on my life again. If David hadn't cut his head off, David would, Goliath would have got back up and he would have come at the army again. David said, I'm sick of this. I've lived with this loudmouth giant long enough and you're going down. And you're going down in the name of my Lord. I've had it. That's what we've got to do with our giants. They're going down. They're going to die. They're not going to have an impact on my life again. They're not going to discourage me anymore. They're not going to make me think that I'm small anymore. They're not going to intimidate me anymore. Because I know the God that's in me is greater than he that's in the world. Here's what I want you to take away. This is what you've got to do. You've got to be you. David took the armor, and he was going to try to be somebody else, but it didn't fit him. You're you, and you're like a snowflake. There's not one more person in the world that's like you. You be you. And you fight your giants. Number two, don't let other people discourage you. Not Eliab, your brother. Not your friends. Not anybody else. All you have to do is hold on to the promise of God. And I believe those of you that are fighting giants have a promise from heaven. Number three, get involved with solving the problem. David, did, David just said, I'm going to solve this. He didn't just say, I'm, I'm going to do this. I will solve this. He says, I'm going to trust God. And finally, you just have to face your giant. You just got to have the courage to step up and say, it's over. 
I'm taking you down with the God that's inside of me. Would you stand, please? There are people here tonight that are facing giants. And maybe you didn't even consider it to be a giant. All right? Anna, you're facing needing a place to live. And fear is rising up inside of you. God has a place. And you have to face your giant. not sinful not a, not a thing that's a sin in your life not at all there are other people that are facing things like that Kathy you're facing a giant of back surgery I believe that your giant is going to be slain whether it's through surgery or miraculous healing either one but God can get you out of that pain giants all over you. There's secret giants. There's things that you don't even know that are giants in your life that are clinging and shouting at you every day and you haven't even thought about them being giants. But God wants them dead. But you've got to initiate them. What I want to do, I want us to all just close our eyes right now. There are people that are facing health issues that are giants in your life and they've discouraged you they're bothering you. Dana and I are facing giants right now. We're going to stand together. We're going to call the giant out. Say it's over. No more. But whatever the giant is in your life right now, he's telling you right now, forget about it. I've got control. This is never going to get better. And there may be people that are his advocate that come into your life and say, yeah, well, you just learn to live with it. But if there's something that the Lord has pointed out in your life, it doesn't matter what it is. Tonight, this is the battleground. This is where we're going to conquer fear. We're not going to get scared anymore. We're not going to roar. We're not going to listen to the roar anymore. We're facing the giant. And we're going through it, not around it. If you're here tonight and you know it's time that the giant is slain in your life, intimidation, inferiority, whatever it is, things that you can't do anything about, but you've been beaten into submission by your giant, you can still face them. You can still conquer them. I'm going to count to three in just a second. And if you've got a giant in your life that you want to beat, a habit, whatever, I want you to slip your hand up real quick and I want you to put it right back down. Okay? Right now, this is between you and God. We'll discuss the public prayer in just a second. But if you're here and there's a giant that you want to beat, I'm going to count to three, and when I count to three, I don't want you to allow your giant to whisper in your ear or hover over your head and say, don't worry about this. It's just all hooey. But I want you to lift your hand because you're going to take the first step. Are you ready? Recognizing that this is a battle. 
Are you ready? One, two, three. Raise your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you.